I recently had the privilege of interviewing Terry Constable, CEO of Acclaimed World, on the podcast. Terry dropped by the studio to talk about Acclaimed World, his personal journey, future aspirations, and we also had a little bit of fun. Terry is an awesome guy, and it was such a pleasure to have him on the pod. Thank you, Terry. Hi, and welcome to the Let's Talk Melbourne podcast. I'm your host, Vikas Raheja. The Let's Talk Melbourne podcast is brought to you from the city of Melbourne, where we talk to business leaders, opinion makers, influencers, and change agents. This is a space for critical thinking, open discussions, and the big picture. This podcast is sponsored by Construct Mart and Floors Trading and Clearance Center, your one-stop shop for all the floorings and renovations. Hi, and welcome to another new episode of Let's Talk Melbourne podcast. We are doing a CEO series special, and today we've got a very special person uh, in the studio and uh, who's braved the Melbourne weather <laughs> and come into the studio for us. And uh, he is the CEO of Acclaim World, but I will request my guest to introduce himself if that's okay. Great. Thanks, Vickers. Appreciate you having me on. Thank uh, you for coming. As you said, Terry Constable, CEO of Acclaim Wealth. Um, we're a wealth management platform. We have a retail super product and a investment portfolio service and look after about $2.5 billion in members' uh, monies. Now, you've you've recently been appointed the CEO a couple of months in? Four months. Four months Four in. Four months. Okay. And, and how is it going? How are you feeling? Uh, feeling good. Feeling yeah. energized still. Um, it's a pretty exciting space, super in general, but yeah. uh, as a growing fund, um, there's obviously some challenges, but, yeah. but also some opportunities. Do you recall, and, and if you want to share, when you were informed that you are now the CEO, what was your first reaction? And who was the first person you shared that news with? Yeah, I'm going to sound a little bit dorky here. <laughs> I, uh, I do remember, I got the phone call. Um, initially from, from Alan Hegarty, who was the outgoing CEO saying, look, I've, I've put you forward, yep. you know, I've decided that I'm moving on to my next chapter. Uh, and then eventually went through the board and, and got the call to say, we want to offer you the job. Yep. So I told my partner first, yep. uh, as, as I think you have to. Uh, and then very soon after the next call was to, to mum, okay. uh, to talk about it. So I think she might've been more excited about it than I was, <laughs> to be honest. And were you scared? Like when you were told, like, were you scared, nervous, anxious, or were you like, you know what, I've got this and I'm going to like take, take it head on? Yeah, I think there's always going to a little bit, a little bit of self, uh, skepticism, yep. uh, in there. Um, but I see that as a little bit of a positive. Yep. Uh, I think what was really nice from my point of view and reassuring was I had the board's full support. Yep. Uh, and also when the news went out to our advisor network, yeah. Um, there were so many nice messages, phone calls, um, just saying, you know, we think you're going to be great at the role. We're really happy that you've got it. So yeah. um, any of those sort of self-doubts um, sort of dissipated. Yeah. But obviously being fresh into the role, in the back of my head, you know, I just really want to do a good job for our, our team and members. Yep. Awesome. One of the things which I've always wanted to ask you, Terry, is that <laughs> no matter who the stakeholders are and what kind of emotions are running high you're very calm and composed almost zen like are you naturally like that or you have you is that something that you um have sort of n the right way but nurtured over over the years it's you're never <laughs> angry you don't even like f 
You don't even express a little bit of frustration. I, I don't think I've ever been referred to as uh, Zen-like, but uh, I don't mind that, actually. Okay. Um, I mean, at least in professional life. I'm not sure about your personal <laughs> life. If you're, how you, you may be shouting at me, you don't know, but you know. No, certainly, I, I, I think generally, uh, as I go through life, I, I don't get worked up about things or, yeah. or try not to. Um, I'm sure if you're in the office with me every now and then, you'll hear a sigh or a uh, uh, an expletive sort of being said, but... The reality is, you know, in everything that we do, we're trying to find a solution. So yeah. always put the lens on it. If you're going to um, get angry or upset, what's it actually going to achieve? Yeah. And again, whether that's personal life or business life, it, I just don't think it really serves any purpose. So yeah. I certainly do at least try and take a step back, look at what's been said, for example, or what's been written in an email, yeah. try and um, analyze a little bit, digest it, think about where the other person's coming from and yeah. then craft the response from that okay yeah because i need to learn that from you in terms of how to be calm all the time <laughs> at least seem calm if not if i am genuinely calm and it's hard when you care about something right it is it is so, yeah know. exactly yeah now you started your career if, if i'm if i recall correctly in distribution would that be correct like advice is correct yeah. yeah well it depends how far back you want to go i, I was uh at Video Easy and a pizza oh, shop so during we university. About, I did not know uh, that. So uh, could, do, do you want to give us a little bit of a snapshot on how you started and how you, your journey? from? Yeah, well, I mean, that? some would say the pinnacle of my career was at uni, working at a pizza shop yeah. uh, and working at Video Easy. Yeah, some okay. of the viewers might not remember Video Easy. Yeah. Uh, I was getting free pizzas and, and free That's DVDs. Yep. Uh, I was living the dream. Yeah. Um, but funnily enough, I, uh, I had a regular customer at the pizza shop that I worked at. Okay. And uh, they were great customers. They always tipped well. It would yep. be fun to be around. And after I finished uni, they actually said to me, hey, do you want to get into financial planning? Okay. They ran a really successful financial planning firm. Yep. So I got into that, you know, did my dip FS, so all the qualifications. Yeah. And then eventually I sort of realized that I was probably a little bit young, I felt, to, to really create those long-term relationships you need for being a financial advisor. Yep. Uh, so then I moved over to the product side and, yeah, started with uh, what was AMG Super yeah. uh, in an advisor services role and, and merged into that distribution yep. uh, where before taking on the CEO role, I, I was ultimately head of distribution. What was the most challenging part of being head of distribution? Because that is a pretty demanding, I mean, all jobs are demanding, especially CEO is probably more demanding than that, but that is also your this pressure in terms of sales targets, you know, the different kinds of pressures, but it's also very fluid. Yeah, so certainly the, the, the target-driven nature of distribution is really transparent. Yeah. You know, either you're hitting them or you're not. Yeah. So there's a pressure involved in that. And I think it talks a little bit to our business, but, you know, one of my, um, I guess, metrics is, is service as well. Yep. So when you're in distribution... You're obviously at the coalface. Yep. You know, you're talking to advisors all the time. So that was the hardest bit. If something's not going right, you're the one that has to talk to the advisor and you're the one that needs to front up and tell them, well, this has gone wrong and this is why it's gone wrong. Yep. Um, I'd even say that that's something more difficult than being the CEO sometimes with our advisor network. I would imagine, yeah. That, you know, someone's obviously talking directly to the advisors. Yeah. Sometimes you only hear what's gone wrong secondhand. Yeah. And are it... Our advisors have a reputation of being unreasonable in the industry, unfairly so. Uh, this is, and I think they do 
an important job because eventually what they're trying to do is make sure that everyone gets a good retirement plan and you know maximizes their wealth um what has been one of uh, do you have any interesting stories that with what like a very demanding or unreasonable unreasonable would be the wrong word but a challenging advisor yeah look I'll, i'll probably go back to what we spoke about just before yeah. you know taking that step back and, and asking why are they why yeah. are they acting that way and for most part when an advisor is irate or angry it's because they're trying to get something done for their member right true, and true. and so if you put it in that context you know advisors are trying to work for their their members and they're just frustrated when something's not working yeah obviously there's been times and very limited times where potentially an advisor's got a little bit angry over the phone um you know i've i've worn that storm the phone call's finished and then very shortly after i've got a phone call back saying oh, i just want to apologize i didn't mean to talk yeah. that way so yeah. i think the really key part with that is building the relationship with the advisor so that when something does go wrong yeah you know you've got that foundation yeah uh, there but to be honest i've been very fortunate with our advisor network yeah. you know i've even become quite good mates with with some of them and okay. you know caught up uh, outside of work so maybe i'm a little bit lucky or or maybe that's based on just Oh, I don't understand yourself. It's not that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Now, interesting. I want to ask you because I asked um, our earlier guest as well the same question. A lot of advisors are now exiting the industry, given given all of the you know uh, post royal commission. That's just the norm. Hmm. It's a bit sad because there, if there has ever been a need for financial advice, it's now more than ever. Uh, I would imagine. So, what's your personal take on on this whole? Uh, trend of advisors leaving the industry and then robo advice coming in which cannot fully realize uh, the potential of face to face advice any thoughts you have on that yeah probably answering the the first part of the question initially uh obviously i've seen the advice space change yeah um i've seen a lot of really quality advisors that have a lot more to give sort of stepping back from advice a little bit yeah. earlier than they intended and i think that's a a real shame um I think potentially uh the change of the goalpost constantly has been really frustrating. Um and at the end of the day advisors are people as well and a lot of them are running, you know, their own small businesses. Yeah. So when things like that impact the, you know, their financial liberties um and their career and their families, you know, that that's quite hard to watch. Yep. Um so I think it is disappointing that a lot of really quality advisors have left the industry. Um it's the old story about you know a few bad eggs spoiling it for True. the majority Agreed. i think yeah um so something needs to be done to to clean up and i think there has been a bit clean up but yeah. it's probably been a bit more of a macro sort of strategy rather than targeted at the people that are doing the wrong thing yeah um in relation to ai you know it's they've been talking about robo advice ai advice for years now yeah for a long time so at the moment i think there's definitely an application uh, in terms of assisting the advice process yeah I think for really scalable advice or you know simple advice maybe there's an application there through tools etc um but when you have a client sitting down in front of you I think at the moment that technology is not right there in yeah. terms of you know picking up all their goals you know things in life aren't Correct. always black all and white us, right exactly. so yeah. I think there's always going to need to be that human overlay that personal touch yeah if it's not just for the advice yeah just cuz people are more comfortable comfortable yeah now for anyone who's 
listening and watching us, can you help us? Um, it's it's like one of those MTV series. What's how is a day of a life in a CEO? But how does you how does your standard day? What time do you get up? What do you do? And and when do you finish? Like what what is Terry day as a CEO? Yeah. Okay. Um, so it it varies a little bit, but if I'm in Sydney where I live, yeah. uh, I try and get up at five twenty. It's a five forty uh, gym class. Okay. Should I give a shout out to the gym I go to? Please, <laughs> by all means. Uh, it's my uh, it's my partner's brother's girlfriend's gym, so Blackout Gym okay. uh, in Tarrant Point there in the Shire. Um, so try go to that class. So in Sydney, please visit this gym <laughs> if we do have people in Sydney who listen wait to us. Those, so you know. Wait for those member discounts uh, to come <laughs> through. Um, and uh, yeah, go to that class uh, and then get the train into the city. So yeah. it's about 45 minutes. So usually take that time to um, do some emails, for example, yep. on the laptop. Um, get into the office around quarter past eight. Yeah. Uh, and then... We have a few meeting structures that I think just assist us get into the rhythm. So yep. normally we'll have a team huddle. Yeah. Um, I've realised with the CEO role, there's a lot more meetings in the diary just constantly. I think you're in quite a few of them on a weekly yes, basis. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, and then after that, you know, probably knock off work at around six and yep. the train trip back. But every every day is different um, <clears throat> because our head office is in Brisbane. There's a lot of domestic travel at the moment yep. for me, so at least two days a week are spent interstate. Okay. Um, so that and that's every week it at the moment. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And how do you have the mental and physical bandwidth to do all of this? What time? Like you getting up at five twenty every day would in Sydney would be hard, I imagine. Or is that you're used to it now? Or you've always been like that? I've always tried to do something in the morning in terms of okay. physical activity. Um, I think that's a, a big, well, not necessarily secret, but pretty well documented. You know, you go out, you exercise, you yeah. feel better, the endorphins go, and yeah. I feel I'm far more productive at work yeah. as a result of that. The real challenge is when you're traveling, you lose that routine. True, yeah. Um, so that's a really hard thing to have to adapt to, and, you know, I'll try and sneak in a run maybe tomorrow morning or something like that just to feel like you're doing something. something yeah. Um, but... You know, it is a task and, and sometimes you've got to make sure that you're cognizant of the impact it has on your, your family and us, um, your relationship with friends as well. Yeah, yeah. So just making sure you carve out that time. Yeah. Um, and the hardest thing is not just to be constantly looking at your phone and emails. I know. So. I mean, I was going to ask you that because you must, like, people look at Instagram, you must be checking all your emails, like who's sending <laughs> me emails now, which board member, which regulator, which client or which advisor. How yeah. do you then unwind and detach? Is that easy? or? And I don't know whether this is the right way to do it, but I don't have notifications turned on for anything on my phone, okay. um, including emails. Uh, it just means that, you know, while I'm looking at my phone regularly to check emails, it's not completely on demand. Yes. So, uh, obviously, when you're working through a task, you see something pop up on your phone, another email. That's different. You yeah. look at it or yeah. you're out and about. It can actually break your, your workflow and your productivity. So. Yeah. I don't have them turned on, so at least I'm only looking at emails when I need to yeah. and when I decide to. Um, so that's been really helpful for me. Um, and then I went on a, a holiday earlier this year and uh, I actually deleted the, uh, and this is before I took over as CEO, I deleted um, the Outlook app. Okay. And I just put aside an hour each day to open up the laptop and do all the emails. Yeah. Otherwise, it's almost a force of habit. Just that's open actually the phone an excellent at, idea. 
I mean, this I, I I never thought about deleting the app when you go on a holiday, and you can reinstall it once you're back. But yeah, it's it's a good way to check out and just have a good time mm. on holiday. Okay. Now you obviously are leading a, a pretty big organization, and you know you're dealing with different kinds of stakeholders, people with different kinds of personalities and and emotions. How do you manage to um, steer everybody in the right direction, or at least get them on the same uh, sort of goal achieving prospect yeah so in our business uh we use a structure called okay us yeah um that's really like a goal setting matrix so we implement it through a software called asana but effectively we sit down at the start of the year and we say right what's going to move this business forward and then underneath it we break out and the product team the distribution team the different sections go what are the key results that are going to get us to that objective yeah so we have um, a few structures in place. So we have our, um, what we call the, the huddle. Yep. So we do one on Monday, yep. which is setting what each team member is going to do for the week. Yep. And then we have one on Friday, which is effectively, did we get there and what were the gotcha. blockers? Okay, yeah. So that keeps yeah. a nice rhythm. Yeah. And then on a monthly basis, we go into looking at those OKRs yep. and seeing, well, what's been ticked off? Are we on track? Are there any blockers? Yeah. So everyone sort of knows in terms of the business what direction we're heading in. Yep. And because as a team we put together those objectives, everyone's on board. There's no surprises there. Yeah. So while I might, um, I guess, influence or set some ideas, the team agrees with them together as a collective yep. on wanting to get there. So we do that monthly and then we have a quarterly um, strategy session. So we've got uh, people in different states in Australia. We all go back to Brisbane once a quarter. Yeah. And we review where we're sitting with the OKRs. You know, we do an innovation session. So I think that just keeps everyone on the same rhythm in terms of where we're heading. Yeah. Then I guess it's just my role as CEO to encourage, make sure they've got the right resources and where there's a blocker in place, see what I can do to help remove it. And also you've, because your team is spread out and you've, and also different time zones, right? Mm. Like Brisbane and, and Sydney, as an example. I mean, it's still different if it's although it's small. How do you manage to like keep track of all those different things and and even basically lead uh, teams which aren't in cross locations? Like, mm. is that is that something? And I want to give a shout out to Angus. Uh, yes, who I have a soft spot for the great man, the great <laughs> man. Um, yeah, how do you how do you like? You do so much in Sydney, then you're traveling, and then you go. You've got teams in different cities. How do you keep on top of all this? Do you like have a personal strategy in terms of how you approach your work or? I thought you were going to ask, do I have a personal assistant? No, I don't have one of those. Well, you should get one, <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah. Um, uh, look, I'm just, I'm quite fortunate. We've got a really great team uh, with some really great leaders within the business. So certainly I'm not a, a micromanager and I have full confidence in those people. So you mentioned Angus, our head of product and strategy. Uh, he does an amazing job in yeah. terms of steering the direction Which of the is. business. And then we obviously have a weekly catch-up where we talk about, again, blockers, where we're moving in terms of a couple of items. So you're always conversing and, and understanding and being, this is how you sort of... Exactly, yeah. And, you know, we've got fantastic people in the advisor team and the distribution team. Um, you know, Amy West has been with the business for a long time, but um, effectively she manages a team of advisor services officers. So okay. yep. while the team is fairly big... Yep. My day-to-day interactions aren't necessarily with everyone in the team. Gotcha. It's yeah, touching yeah. base Based with some of the heads of departments. Cool. What's the um, 
before we jump into the, uh, I want to ask you some of the industry questions. But mm. I want to before we jump into that, what are some of the things you're looking forward to in 2020 for you, for you personally and and also professionally? 2024, uh, it's it's going to be a pretty big year on the work front, but on the uh, on the personal front. Um, a couple of things. We've got a, my best mate's wedding uh, overseas, so doing a little states trip. Nice. Uh, which will be fantastic. Um, there's some rumblings. We, I've got a dog, uh, a little English staffie called Frankie. Yeah. There's been some consideration about getting another dog, oh, so that, that would be significant. That's amazing. I love dogs, so yes, that would be good. Um, but, you know, and this links in with, you know, personal and, and work-wise, you know, obviously I'm I'm committed to to really showing up as CEO and seeing what that takes. Obviously, fresh into the role, so yeah. you know, obviously want to do a, a good job in terms of that. So I see 2024 as a, a real focus of mine. Um, and then on the work front, you know, it's a big year. As you're across some of the items. We've got a, a large data yeah. migration project un- underway. Um, we're going to be launching a, a fairly significant new partnership. There's potential sub plan yeah. opportunities there. So. I think it's really going to be one of the biggest years for Acclaim and, and transform the business. No, I think that's fan- it's exciting and fantastic. Mm. And if, in my humble opinion, I think you're doing a fantastic job so far. I as appreciate that. So uh, congratulations. I think that's great. Thanks, man. Now, one thing I want to ask you was I sneakily saw your guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Do you play guitar? What kind of music do you listen to? What kind of music do you play? Or is it just a hobby? Or are you going to leave CEO and become like a musician and become a CEO <laughs> on TV, like opening for like uh, Rod Laver or Reader, Terry is performing? Uh, admittedly, uh, I'm pretty sure I do blur the background uh, in, uh, in my... But uh, see, I do a podcast, so you know, I, that's my job is to do research, part of it. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Um, so, no, I'm not a guitar player. I do have a guitar, and I think I can play a few songs. Uh, can you tell us? So I won't ask you to play, but what are the oh, like? Phew, I was waiting for the no, guitar no, 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 to no, come no, in. Guitar, but any song that you play to? Yeah, so oh, you like playing to right? Yeah, so I look for songs that have about four chords because uh, that's about the extent of my talent. Um, but there could be things like I think everyone that has a guitar needs to be able to play Wonderwall. Yeah, so I mean that's in there. Yeah, um, uh, cranberries, linger. I love that song. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, I actually, the pinnacle of my guitar playing was a, a cover of um, Breeze Blocks uh, back in the day. So, oh, wow. oh so it, this is you've been doing this for a while. Well, I started getting lessons, and then I probably stopped about five years ago. Yeah. Uh, but it's something de- I definitely want to pick up again. Okay. Um, unfortunately, my uh, my guitar playing and singing capabilities don't align with uh, <laughs> my ambitions uh, because I I love music. And really eclectic tastes. Yep. So things like Fleetwood Mac yep. um, will be playing. Um, then some newer stuff, um, Big Scary, etc. So it could be anything in there. There could be a bit of Nally and Brulia torn oh, tossed nice. in among the mix. So it's pretty so eclectic, varied kind of taste. Yeah. Much, much to the dismay of uh, anyone that has to listen to me when I've uh, <laughs> sure it's not got the much. iPod plugged in. <laughs> I'm sure it's not that bad. Um, now, to jump into the industry stuff, I wanted to get to your observations in terms of from a financial services, particularly super and retirement. What do you think are some of the, if you had to pick top three opportunities and top three challenges the industry faces, any thoughts that you think you can share? Yeah. It doesn't even necessarily have to be top three, but any of the, like, from your perspective, the major ones, yeah. Yeah, so op- opportunities and challenges. Opportunities and challenges, yeah. yeah. so 
Uh, I think in terms of opportunities, um, as an industry, you know, we're, we're almost 3.5 trillion, right? Yeah. And, you know, industry funds are slightly different to the space that we operate yeah. in. Um, but within the industry, there's obviously a big opportunity to meet the needs of a very large portion of people that are moving into um, their retirement phase yeah. and their drawdown phase. So within that, it's probably a challenge, but the opportunity there is for, I guess, the industry funds to come up with some really great uh, retirement solutions there that are direct to member. Yep. And I think from from our point of view as a retail provider, uh, we've got the ability to create some some more tools and a, a more comprehensive platform yep. to support advisors yep. and, I guess, uh, meeting the retirement needs of that older generation, the boomers uh, coming in there. Um, I think there's a really good opportunity to innovate in the super sector. You know, I think we're in a unique perspective that while we're not small, uh, we're certainly not large. So it just means that we can really start to play on some of our strengths and be a little bit more nimble in terms of what we're doing. And that's what I was talking about, that new partnership. So looking at some different solutions compared to the standard SMAs, Um, tweaking things where we think there might be an opportunity and we can move a little bit faster yeah. than the bigger players. So in terms of the opportunity front, I think yeah, innovation in terms of coming up with some unique solutions. Yeah. Um, That's I, both technology and financial. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Correct. Um, I think there's an opportunity for us to better engage with members um, kind of on a personal level, but Super's this thing that sits there and a lot of people don't even know where they're invested. There's a real disengagement and I don't have the solution, but there needs to be a way that people actually see it as their money. They're engaged. They, they feel connected to it. Um, because at the moment, if you're not connected to your super, you know, there's the potential that you might miss out on some returns or actually negatively impact you at, at time of retirement. So I think that's another opportunity for us to be able to better engage with all these members that uh, are potentially not viewing super as their money. Exactly. And and that's and that's been a challenge uh, for a long time. And, I, and as you rightly said, it will continue to be if we don't engage with members, right? Because Correct. most members don't even know they have super or the super balance. Mm. And your thoughts on insurance, do you think uh, people have the right cover of insurance within the, in the I'm, I'm not talking about like, Outside of super, I'm purely talking about within super. Do you mm. think we are underinsured, overinsured with all of this PYS stuff that's come through? Any observations that you've experienced? Yeah, it, again, I, I look at my peer network, yeah. you know, and I look at people that are, you know, a lot of them are, well, mostly intelligent, I'd say. Yeah. You know, they got decent jobs, but super is just this total black hole for yeah. them. Um, and when I think about insurance, you know, it's fine to do this default cover, yeah. you know, it serves its place, Purpose, yeah. but, you know, it really needs to be tailored at the end of Correct. the day. And I think yeah. that's where advice is important. Some people view insurance as, you know, the lotto, yes. you know, that's not the way you view it. Correct. Effectively, people need to look at their liabilities, what they need for their family and have covered that's tailored to them. So I think we need default cover. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I think people need to actually look at getting tailored cover that actually meets their needs. Yep. Um, I would also say that talking to, a, a, again, a lot of people in my peer network or friends of friends, a lot of people don't even know they've got insurance. Exactly, yeah. Or, you know, SCI income kind of protection. Yeah, yeah. And uh, some people will be off work. And uh, obviously, I can't give advice, but I said, have you looked at your super? 
you know, make a phone call and actually see if you've got any cover there. So you're paying for it. Yeah. You've got the automatic cover. It's worthwhile checking if you can actually utilize it. Yeah. Okay. No, that's, that's important. I think as you've rightly um, sort of, you know, distilled throughout this conversation is that it's important to get good financial advice and at least understand your superannuation importantly mm. and then tailor it based on your individual needs. So that's, that's important and that's the challenge that we face in this country. Mm. Great. All right, now we're going to play a little bit of a fun game. So I'm going to ask you 10, we call this a furious 10. Okay. I'm going to ask you 10 questions and you have to give quick, witty, rapid answers. It doesn't okay. have to be witty, but okay. it, it, it helps if it's witty. <laughs> quick and rapid, I don't know. Quick and rapid, yeah. yeah. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. If you had to invite three celebrity guests, dead or alive, for a dinner party, uh, whom would you choose? Well, I'm going to do this because that'd be interesting. Maybe uh, uh, Elton John, Jordan Peterson, and I reckon Freddie Mercury would have some good stories. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, well, it's a good list. And, and then you can play guitar. And then, yeah. And, <laughs> but just listen to how they interact. I think there might be some conflicting be some, yeah, uh, views on everything. Absolutely. Um, if you were stuck in an Uber... And you had only you had to ch- listen to only one song for your entire journey. Which one would you choose from these two? All the Single Ladies by Beyonce <laughs> or Gangnam Style by Psy? Oh, is neither an option, but I'd go no, you have to choose <laughs> all, the, all the Single Ladies. All the Single Ladies, okay. <laughs> the best thing about being a CEO is? Uh, I think uh, uh, fulfillment, fulfillment, you know, in terms of being able to actually get your hands on something and craft and it's yours. Okay. Now, if you had dinner invites from both of these celebrities on the same day and mm. you could attend only one, which one would they be? Barack Obama or Emma Stone? Barack Obama. Really? Okay. I would choose Emma Stone, but that's <laughs> What do you value most, EQ or IQ? EQ. Okay. And your favorite holiday destination? Oh, New Zealand Queenstown was pretty special. Yeah, it's beautiful there. Yeah. What advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? Uh, I think uh, confidence in yourself and knowing who you are as a, a person. Uh, I think that takes a little bit of time to, to learn your identity, to, 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 I guess, you might know your values, but to outwardly speak them and stand yeah. up for people. So I think that would probably be it. That's pretty good. Um if you could only drink one thing for the rest of your life, which one would you choose, beer or wine? I'm going to go beer. Beer? Okay. Now, in five years from now, what's the one thing you look forward to most for yourself? I, I think, uh, hopefully, uh, just being able to enjoy some overseas trips with my partner, um, and having looked back on the last five years and said, you know, done a good job, been a good person. Awesome. Now, your last question. This is a very important one and probably the toughest question you'll face. Mm. You're on a chartered plane with your team uh, coming back from a conference and the plane is about to crash. You have only two parachutes, one for yourself and one for another person in your team. Whom would you choose? <laughs> I don't know. Do we have a HR department there? No, no uh, there's no HR. No. 
Well, Imagine this is a world where there's no HR. This is a joke, obviously, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'd give my parachute away, and uh, oh, we'd no, all float down together. Oh come on! <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a cop out, but okay, I'll yeah. accept that. <laughs> Thank you. That was a fun route. Now, Terry, it was it was great. We almost at the end of the podcast, and I I could you know talk to you for 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 much more. Uh, but I just wanted you to. What would you? I'm really curious to know what would you like your legacy to be, like down the track when you say ten, fifteen years when you look back to your role and your journey in and your career, what would your what would you want to your legacy to be for people within acclaim or outside or anyone whom you've met or worked with? Yeah, uh, I think in terms of you know what what I'd want my legacy to be yeah. is hopefully that a lot of the people that I've I've worked with um, people that have sort of worked underneath me uh, in roles. It would be really nice to see those people that potentially I've I've helped mentor yeah. grow on and and do bigger and better things. So okay. if that's within a claim and I'm still there, that's fantastic. Uh, but even if it's them moving to another business and excelling, you know, I think that would be a really cool legacy. If you know people that you've worked Nurture, with, you've yeah. nurt- or helped do some. Uh, yeah. Um, work with if they've gone on to bigger and better things you know that's you make, got to you be feel proud yeah. it's got to be a pretty good um, reflection on, on what you're doing so I think that would be really fulfilling and uh, I think at the end of the day and it, it might sound a bit um, uh, wishy-washy but uh, you know I think if people can if I can look back in five or ten years and people can say you know he's an honest guy yeah you know he's authentic you know he does want the best um, for the clients or advisors or who actually yeah. cares. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd love that. That's wonderful. And I'm sure you'll be able to. Is that a bit that. warm and fuzzy? No, it's not. I think <laughs> it's, it's, it's extremely aspirational. I think most people, it's, 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 it's amazing that you at least have given that thought and you want to, and you're working towards it. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. So no, that's great. Now we end the podcast by asking all the guests two questions. Mm. One is what's the one thing you love about Melbourne? Well, I was going to say summer, but then I got here and it was <laughs> raining in 14 degrees. Um, but uh, no, summer in the fact that normally, yeah. you know, Melbourne comes alive, right? You, yeah. the, the tennis starts coming on in yeah. January. Everyone's out, you know, on the street yeah. uh, having a beer, some some great food. So I think it's just the best time of the of the of year. year. Okay. And I, I lived here for three years, actually. So you're honorary uh, Melbourneian. Yes, correct. Yeah. And Richmond supporter. Okay, <laughs> I'm not going to comment on Richmond. And what's your anthem song? You know, I said before my uh, my music tastes pretty eclectic, but uh, I don't mind a good sing along. Yeah. So maybe a uh, American Pie by Don McLean. Okay, that's a great choice. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Sherry, for taking the time and coming to the Let's Talk Melbourne podcast. Uh, it's fantastic uh, that you, you've been very generous with your time, so I appreciate that. I know you've got a lot of client meetings, so I appreciate you coming and dropping by the studio. And as I mentioned to you earlier as well, um, congratulations on, on everything that you've achieved and you're doing a fantastic job. I mean, in my humble opinion, if I can say so. And I wish you all the very best. And uh, I'm so excited to see what you'll do with the claim 
and I will be probably the first one, you know, in the front row looking at uh, the journey. And uh, I wish you all the very best. No, thanks, Vickers. And uh, I want to thank you for your support and the way that you operate uh, in your, your role outside of being a famous podcaster. Well, not really a famous <laughs> podcaster. <laughs> you, you make our life so much easier. And that's why when you asked if I'd be on, I, I was more than happy and, and really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you for listening and please remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel and also follow us on Instagram at Let's Talk Melbourne.